0: Welcome to the Widely Optimized Wellness Podcast. I am your host, Teresa Rodriguez, and I'm joined by the lovely co-host, Evie Tafias. Both of us are functional diagnostic nutrition practitioners, and we love working with women from all over the world through our virtual programs, helping women not only feel better, but actually achieve that vibrant, no-holds-barred version of themselves they've been missing for a long time. And how we actually get there? Well, that is what this show is all about. Now, please keep in mind that this podcast is created for educational purposes only and should never be used as a replacement for medical diagnosis or treatment. And if you like what you hear today, we would love for you to hit that follow button, leave a review in Apple Podcast, share with your friends, and keep coming back for more. Let's start today's adventure, shall we? Hey, everybody. Season three, episode one. We're so excited for another season. We always say this can't believe that we're here. I know. Everybody's going to think that we just
1: can't handle time or something. I don't know. (laughs) Well, time, I mean, yeah, sometimes I I actually don't think that I can handle time. So that's not completely (laughs) inaccurate. I can't believe that we're doing season three. Yeah. That's wild to me. It's totally wild.
0: And then I think about how when I was a little kid and, you know, the adults would always be like, time moves so fast. and I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. It takes forever to get through school. Like, I don't know. And then, of course, as you become an adult, you start to see like, oh, yes, when you do all the adulting things, yes, time moves very fast. So, yeah, it's quite interesting. But we've been receiving some really great feedback about the podcast. I have clients and friends who will reach out to me about what they're loving about the podcast I think we're onto something like mixing these two things together. I get a lot of positive feedback on how can we mix the power of the outdoors with you know how we think about things. And so it's good. So we're going to keep doing what we're doing. I hope you approve of that. But Abby, I'd love to hear, I know you've received some feedback. What are some of the things you're hearing?
1: Yeah, I've received a especially in the last couple of weeks, which is really cool to have it kind of happen back to back with multiple people and people that are in like different capacities of my life, right? Whether it's a client or it's a friend or, you know, just an acquaintance that found me on Instagram and was like, hey, thank you so much for the podcast. You know, I'm really thankful. And I've heard a lot of like, this is helping my mindset or this is challenging me to get outside more or this is making me think about things in a way I wasn't thinking about before. So that's really cool because that's what Tere and I try to do is really just stretch your mind in that way of Tere is the queen of the curiosity, right? Getting curious of like, how can I implement this or what happens if I implement this? So we're really happy to hear that this is stretching you in that way and making you curious to explore other options and challenging the mindset that maybe you've had and for years that might be holding you back. So again, keep keep the feedback coming. This is really helpful for us because we never really know like who's listening to this or what are they going to think. So when we do get feedback, it's really, really helpful.
0: Yeah, super helpful. And if, if you like it and you feel like leaving a review, I can't emphasize enough how important reviews are to podcasters to help other people find it, right? Other people judge whether or not it's something that they want to listen to. Or if you have a friend who might benefit from one of the episodes, just send them a single episode. That would really mean the world to us. Definitely. And then the other thing that I wanted to interject before we get started on today's show is this show is being published on August 4th. But what's happening in less than a month is our very first Wilderness Reset retreat. So all I'm going to say is there are only a few slots remaining for this. And if If this is a big if, because we don't know, will they all be full by the time this is August 4th? Mm -hmm. It's worth your while if you have any interest in coming on this once in a lifetime event to Montana to really experience a safe environment for growth, get some firsthand experience with the outdoors, implement all these things that we've been talking about on the podcast for the last two seasons already now is your chance. So I will include the link to those tickets in the show notes. And if for whatever reason, it is already sold out, then you'll have a redirect to a wait list for the next one. So if you have any interest whatsoever, make sure that you snag a spot because this might be the only time we're doing this one.
1: Yeah. I'm so excited because it'll, it'll really be a culmination of the things that we talk about on this podcast of getting outside, resetting your nervous system, spending time in community with other people, learning some new skills. Like I'm really, really excited personally to be a part of this because there are some skills that I lack and I'm excited to learn from other people and I'm excited to facilitate some of the workshops in this retreat and it's going to be in a beautiful location and just a nice, a nice recentering of the nervous system and the body and health. So I'm really excited for this.
0: Really cool. Okay. All right. So we're going to dive in now to today's bulk topic, which is really focusing on emotions and emotional processing and why that's so important when it comes to our health. And before we get into like the how to's of that, I think I didn't really realize how important emotional processing was until I dealt with grief for the first significant time in my life. And so I'll just tell a little bit of my own personal story. So in 2009, my mom passed and Our relationship was complex. I'll put it that way. It was very complex before she passed. And it got even more complex after because I wasn't really clear on how I felt. And I had never done therapy before that. I really had a, at the time, I would tell you that, oh yeah, I know what emotions are. But I will say now, knowing what I know now, that my emotional vocabulary was actually very few words, (laughs) I had very few emotions that I could identify. And it is not a surprise to me now that that is coincidentally the same time period that I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's, right? And I started dealing with my very first onset of autoimmune diseases and symptoms and things like that. And I never really had made the connection between the emotions, the intense emotions that I was feeling or the emotions that I couldn't identify from when I was younger. If you can't identify it, you just ignore it, right? Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs>
1: Well, yes, that's what what we do. (laughs) Right. A lot of people do. Yeah.
0: And so I think that was really my first introduction and foray of when the grief wouldn't stop. So I tried to white knuckle it for a good six months. My dear friend, I I love her dearly. She was bold enough to say, it's time you get a therapist. (laughs) I was like, okay, (laughs) okay. I'll go get some help with this. And it was probably the best thing I could have done because that was an introduction into really starting to learn how to expand my emotional vocabulary and really identify what those are. And it was my first introduction into how health and emotions can be so linked. And I know, Evie, you don't have a similar story, but you have a story around emotions and health and that kind of thing. I'd love to hear your side of it and then we can kind of talk about some practical ways of
1: a identifying and b how to process some of these. Yeah, for me it was it wasn't I I almost think that I had my vocabulary was a little too wide <laughs> with emotions okay. from a young age. Yeah. I always felt like I had, you know, what we consider big emotions. You know, I was always mm. very happy or I'd be very sad or very scared, and so I spent a lot of my childhood In big emotions due to my environment and my family, and just, you know, growing up in a very traditional Greek family and culture, like, there are a lot of big emotions, regardless. But then just throwing in on top of that, like, growing up and, you know, transitioning and, like, trying to figure out how to be, like, a teenager and then learning how to go to college and then, like, becoming a young adult and working, like, My big emotions never stopped. And so I actually did start therapy as well because what had transpired was I was having a lot of panic attacks Mm -hmm. and I wasn't able to really identify when the emotions had started and why I felt like I was spiraling and I couldn't have, I didn't have a chance to really learn how to control that. And so through therapy, I learned a lot about that. And I've been in cognitive behavioral therapy for nine years at this point. And yeah, well done. So that's helped a lot. Thank you. That's helped a lot with my emotions and regulating them. Mm -hmm. And I've also learned that, yeah, like I really think that I can trace back the autoimmune stuff and when it really was at its worst, when my emotions were extremely big and kind of running rampant. Yeah. Right. Like And I don't think anything's wrong with having big emotions, but I didn't know how to regulate them Mm -hmm. for my body. And so now looking back, I can use the language of my nervous system was completely overworked And this. I didn't know any of that at the time. I just knew I felt awful and I was anxious and I was depressed and I was scared and everything felt like a threat to me. And now that I have a handle on how to identify emotions, what to do with them, how to release them, I feel like it's completely translated into better health for me. Whereas before I felt like if my emotions were running rampant and I didn't have a control over them, my health would suffer too. And now I see that connection of like emotional health is overall health. And, you know, I know we're going to talk about releasing them, but I definitely have noticed that the more I can move emotions through my body and move them day to day and week to week, I I come out of stressful and dare I say, crises a lot better than I would have years ago. Yeah. Yeah. 1000%. I think
0: it's so important in relationship to health. I also think while we can say that sometimes it's hard for people to wrap their minds around, well, I don't understand, like, why is emotions and sadness and happiness and what does that really have to do with health? And, and that gets me into the thoughts and areas around psychoneuroimmunology And psychoneuroimmunology is a very long word that's been put together, which is a whole area of science that is starting to study the way that our psychology acts on our nervous system and how that acts on our immune system. And our immune system is really what regulates a lot of our health, right? So if our immune system is out of sorts, we're either going to develop a chronic disease or an acute disease. And so psychoneuroimmunology has really revealed this cool. I think it's cool because of course I'm going to geek out on some science here. So give me a second. But I think it's super cool because what they've recognized is that the thoughts that we have are almost always laced with an emotion. So they're always associated with an emotion. That's how the brain categorizes things. It's like thought, emotion, thought, emotion. But the emotion really, like sometimes we can really feel the emotion in our body. Sometimes it's harder to identify where in the body it is, but that feeling that we feel in the body really is a chemical messenger going across our cells or flooding through our neurons and getting into our endocrine system and releasing other hormones. Like we're feeling that activity in the emotion itself, which is amazing because if you think about it all of those different areas in the body the endocrine system and the adrenals and the pituitary gland and the other hormone producing organs in the body so we've got like we've got our sex hormone producing organs and you know we've got our gallbladder and all of these different things are working based off of neurotransmitter signals and hormone signals, and other chemical messenger signals. And so the emotions really are that. And so that's the tie to the biology. So if we aren't allowing ourselves to process those pathways, basically it's biochemical pathways. It's what it kind of all boils down to. There's a little bit more than that, but you know what I mean then that is where some of these organs are going to get either overtaxed or they're going to have to be forced to deal with those chemical messengers. And that's when people say that we store emotions in the body. We literally store emotions in the body. And so this is why it's so exciting for me that it ties to biology in this way, because then I can really see the difference of being able to discern between the emotional body, if you will,
1: and the physical body. Yes, yes. And that's such a good explanation of it because, again, hearing emotions get trapped in the body or, you know, emotions move through the body, it doesn't really make sense unless you put it in that way. So it's a good visual of like, okay if the mind is thinking this and we have these thoughts laced with emotions, then that makes sense if these emotions get stuck. And, you know, like, because I'm more aware of this now, I can feel different parts of my body, right? Where it's like, where do I feel that emotion? Do I feel it in my chest? Do I feel it in my belly? Do I feel it in my, in my legs? Like, and that's really interesting to me too, to see, well, what organ might be associated with that or what, you know, maybe pathway might be blocked or something like that.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really interesting. I had made this correlation earlier this year. So something that had been happening for me was intermittent gallbladder pain. And this has been happening for years. And I've had ultrasound upon ultrasound to make sure, like, is it gallstones? No, it's not gallstones. You know, we've never found any physical evidence for the gallbladder pain. And of course, we're like, okay, so it must be sluggish bile. So then we'll work on bile and we'll work on digestion and all those things, yet it still happens. And then actually it was a client of ours in a program who had brought her expertise into this program as well. And one of the things that she just haphazardly mentioned in one of her posts was that the gallbladder clarifies emotion. And I, for some reason that just like, it's almost like it popped out in bold neon flashing pink for me or something because I was just like, uh what? Wait, she just said gallbladder. Wait a second. Clarifies emotion. So then I started to really pay attention to when I would get these gallbladder attacks what was happening in my life from an emotional perspective leading up to that. So I would kind of look at like maybe a day or two before that. And lo and behold, what was really fascinating for me is that the last three times that I have had any golf, and this was since I she said that, so it's only been three times this year, which knock on wood, I'm really happy about that. Lo and behold, those days, I was either confused about something that I felt like I couldn't really quite fingerprint like what is this emotion that i'm really feeling so it would take me a long time to kind of sort through what is that or i would have conflicting emotions like part of me would think this and part of me would feel this you know so i'd have like a conflict in that day and that is exactly what would lead up to these compler events and i was just like oh wow biology and this stuff is so amazing like how cool is that?
1: Oh my goodness. So,
0: once I had that realization and of course I my friend Aaron, Aaron Holt of functional nutrition, she and I were talking about it and I I sent her a message. I was like, "Aaron, you're not going to believe this. Guess what happened today? And guess what happened before that?" And so, it's been fun to be able to see, you know, have these kinds of realizations because now I understand that if I do have like, huh, how do I feel instead of like be laboring myself all day long, I'll immediately call a friend and talk it through. I mean, that's one of the ways that we can process emotions, right, is talking it through with a friend or a therapist. And since that realization, like, it's been a lot easier for me to manage my emotions. And knock on wood, like, it's been several months now, and I haven't had any kind of gallbladder pain. So
1: that's I'm, amazing. I'm sticking with it. I'm doing yes. this. I'm processing my emotions Immediately. Yes. Can you imagine what little Terea would think having all these, you know, this big vocabulary and these tools for processing emotion compared to before? And oh now, God. like, how improved your health is. <laughs> that would be so cool. Yeah. And I remember yeah. when you made that realization, I remember you told me, like, I think it has to do with my emotions. And I'm like, really? Your gallbladder? Yeah. And, but it makes complete sense. Be- and it's also like from our perspective as practitioners, we might see this way before a client recognizes it in themselves. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. it's kind of hard because some clients are like, give me all the supplements. What food should I eat? What should I do for exercise? And it's like, well, hold on a second. Like, There's a lot of trapped emotions there we need to talk about first, but it sounds so woo-woo for people, but we know it's real.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I was so on that camp before of like, oh, you guys, this is all woo. Like, Yeah. Emotion, motion, like whatever. You're just happy or sad or angry. Like that was my, that was my vocabulary before happy, sad, angry. Yeah. Frustration. That was also in there. Yeah. You know, and if anybody would have told me the emotions were stored in the body or they got stuck in the body, I was just like,
1: um, yeah,
0: Yeah. no. You guys are like nutters.
1: And I think for people who still might be like questioning or still like, well, I don't know. This still sounds woo to me. Think about it. If you feel a lot of things, maybe you have big emotions, maybe you're feeling frustrated or you're feeling scared or you're feeling sad or lonely or something. And then there's something that you do physically. Do you really not feel any different after? Mm. Like whether it's crying, Mm -hmm. whether it is talking to a friend, whether it's going on a walk, whether it is being intimate, like if you can change your physical body, try and tell me that your psychology doesn't change after that. Yeah. Like Good point. just think about that. An example of your own life. I mean, I have plenty. Crying is usually the first thing I go to because it's very it, it's a very big release for me. But you yeah. know, I'm like I might not feel completely healed or like the problem doesn't go away necessarily, but I feel yeah. so much better and I feel lighter. Yeah. Yeah. Just from that physical change.
0: Yeah. I think crying in my opinion, I'm not an expert in this and I in no way study, you know, child psychology or anything, but I'm just making the assumption that since we're a baby, right, we cry when we're a baby because we don't have words yet. Mm-hmm. And it's an easy way for us to innately know how to process emotion is through crying. And then later on, you grow up and you're told that crying is a sign of weakness and all of this stuff. And so then we stop doing that. And then all of a sudden, we're not actually releasing our emotions. And crying is, it really was, gosh, I think it was maybe even a couple of years ago. Like I knew that crying was a good release for me, but it took me listening to a book by Kyle Cease. And I'll have to look up the actual name of the book. I know it was it was about money, but honestly, that book is all about mindset. And he- He made the statement that tears are the way emotion leaves the body. And that just really resonated with me. It was like, oh, I get it. This is a way that we move this stuff out. And what we know now from science is that if you evaluate tears under a microscope of somebody who's crying tears of joy versus somebody who's crying tears of grief or tears of sadness or tears of fright, the actual structure of what that solution, because it's like a salt solution, looks like under the microscope is different. They're all
1: different. And that blew my mind. When you told me that, I was like, Oh my gosh, that is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm my mind is blown at that. And I, I don't know. I believe it. I believe it. Cause it feels different too. Like crying tears of joy totally feels different of crying tears of sadness or loneliness yeah. or grief. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's still tears, but Physically, it feels different to release those types of tears, at least for me. Absolutely. So yeah, very interesting. From a lifetime crier. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I know. Sometimes like I'll be crying and whoever I'm with are like, are you okay?" And I'm like, I'm actually great. Thank you. Like, I need this. Like, just let me cry. Like, this is actually part of the process. (laughs) Do not try and stop me.
0: (laughs) So good. It's like and there
1: was this audio trending on Instagram a while. It was probably on TikTok, too. I don't know. I'm not on TikTok, but It was like, you know, oh, I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to go cry. It's gonna be like a 30, 40 minute or like, you know, and I'm just thinking like, yeah, sometimes you do need to schedule a cry. And sometimes you do need to tell the person like, hey, I'm going to cry. Everything's fine. Don't worry about it. But like, just let me release and I'll be good after that. So yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So yeah, so emotional processing, right? Now that we're starting, we, science, the collective, whatever, are starting to understand how the emotion is related to the biology in that way. This is why it's become more and more imperative that a lot of the work that you do with your clients and I do with my clients and the work we do together with clients and programs that we do together is to really take a look at what emotions are running the show. And so one of the exercises that I almost always start with is something called the emotional home exercise, which is kind of taking an inventory of what kinds of emotions are we experiencing on a regular basis throughout a full day. So I'll give an assignment of, you know, just inventory your day and I did this and I felt this, then I did this and then I felt this and, and see what the overall picture is and, you know, sometimes it's helpful to just identify is there a very small emotional vocabulary? So that's a good learning out of the exercise. Sometimes it's a wide emotional vocabulary, but the categories are dominant. So, positive emotion versus negative emotion, somebody might discover that, oh, heck, 60% of my day is spent in some form of negative emotion of one or the other. That's a really good learning so that we can start to work with the emotions, learn how to release them, and also learn how to kind of think of it as being ambidextrous, right? Shifting from right hand to left hand to be able to write with or eat with. It's the same kind of thing with emotions. We wanna learn how to be able to shift from one to the other, not as an escape mechanism, but as a way to work with our body and that biochemistry,
1: right? So oftentimes we'll work with that exercise too. Yeah, that's been helpful. I've actually shared that with some clients of like, Hey, like this might be something good because again, we don't actually always sit there and think about, well, why do I feel tired all the time or why do I feel pissed off all the time? And it's like, well, you're spending most of your time in a negative emotion spiral. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. why would you expect yourself to be happy or to feel joy? So it's really been insightful. And I actually do that periodically for myself. Like I'll go back and do that just to kind of spot check. Yeah. Because, you know, you have to do the auditing of yourself of like, where am I spending most of my day and could that, explain why I feel the way that I do or why I don't feel the way that I think that I should or how I'd like to feel. Yeah.
0: What we are also learning about the different kinds of emotions, so now we also know that emotions have a certain resonant frequency in the body so they can actually measure this in terms of megahertz or millihertz or I don't know what the actual unit is, but it's in some kind of frequency unit. What we are learning is that the Negative type emotions are the ones that typically will start to disrupt normal chemical pathways in the body and contribute towards disease this is why a lot of chinese medicine for example talks about stuck chi and you know how holding on to anger can cause heart issues and those kinds of things and we know now that the positive style emotions the gratitude the love the happiness the joy all of those different kinds are ones that actually contribute to the healing processes in the body mm-hmm. which is really interesting yeah because if i think back to when i got sick with Hashimoto's and everything else, I was stuck in a very long grief cycle and had to really process through some really confusing emotions at that time. And so it's no surprise to me now, it was a total shocker then, why is all this happening to me all at the same time was my initial thought. But now it, I really understand that there was a lot of years long pent up emotion that I just hadn't processed that was really starting to break down the pathways in my body.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So let's shift into like some of the ways that we've learned how to process emotion and share this with the audience and who's listening, because it's great to talk a lot about emotion, but I don't want to leave people with, okay, so go get a therapist. And I have nothing against therapists. I think they're great. Please go get one. If you think you need one, they're awesome. But there are a lot of other ways that we can use to shift emotion if that's what we're really Looking for is being able to process these emotions. You had mentioned movement. So let's talk about movement first and then we can get into some of the other stuff.
1: Yeah. This is something that's always been a part of me. Like I played soccer growing up and, you know, I would play kind of recreationally in college. And, you know, I I love working out. I've always done that to some capacity. But it wasn't until this past year that I realized, like, just how important it is to move emotion through my body through motion. And I've kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, had fun with this. You know, when I share it on social media, I'll put E motion, right? You move emotion like you through motion. And again, it wasn't until recently this past year that I realized, and honestly, the moment that that clicked for me was I was working out in my garage gym and i was filming myself cuz i like to film either to post and you know just to check form and things like that so i was filming myself doing an exercise and in the middle of it right i'm doing maybe like 12 reps or something i just start sobbing and like uncontrollably yeah and nothing happened i was by myself nothing had happened that day like nothing triggered me that i knew about at the time i just started crying mm-hmm. and i couldn't stop and it felt like it was just flowing out of me And it was like it had been trapped for so long. And just this movement was like opening up the floodgates in the most beautiful and releasing way. And at that moment, I was like, holy shit, like this is like I need more of this because I felt so light after that. Yeah. I didn't realize how heavy I had been feeling until I cried. And so I was like, wait, there's something to this. And I remember I texted you because then like the week later, I was at the actual gym and I told you I was listening to the song. I started crying. Like I just started yeah. crying at the gym all the time. And I think people probably thought I was like, like, is this chick? Okay. <laughs> like, and so what's going on with her? Yeah. And it was just so interesting to me of like, gosh, why am I crying every time I'm moving? Mm. But it wasn't like a, oh poor me. It was like a, this feels really relieving. And this feels like after I leave therapy and, you know, talk therapy. And yeah. so that's when I was like, wait a second, there's something to this motion. There's something to moving emotion through motion. And so I try and share about that as much as I can on social media because again, maybe people haven't made that connection for themselves, but it's definitely there. Yeah. So yeah, anytime I feel like I'm stuck or ruminating or I feel confused or sad, my go-to is going to be movement. So changing my physical body. And like I said, that might look different for everybody. That might mean going for a walk. That might mean working out. That might mean, you know, doing some stretches on the floor. That might mean opening up your hips, right? There's something about women and the hips and we store emotions in the hips. And that might mean that you get a massage. That might mean that you are intimate with your partner. Like that might be what you need to do to release emotions too. Maybe you watch funny videos to laugh. Like, there's something that physically has to change for you in order for those emotions to get out. Yeah. And so whatever that might be, I encourage you to dig deep and try and find that and stick with it. And also explore some other ones that you think might be helpful.
0: Yeah. It, it's so important that to remember that our physiology has a huge impact on our emotional body. And a really succinct way of demonstrating this that comes to mind is There's this woman, her name is Amy Cuddy, and she gave a TED Talk, and it's fairly popular, and I refer to it all the time. But she, and I've seen her speak, and she was kind of giving the same TED Talk to us, but What was really cool about it was she was talking about confidence and building confidence. And that was kind of the theme of her talk. But what she used was physiology to build confidence when we might not necessarily be feeling necessarily confident, like going into an interview or whatever it happens to be. And so she talks about getting into your superhero pose, like literally standing up, having your feet hip width apart. Putting your hands on your hip, your shoulders are back, and you're pretending that you've got that cape that is waving through the wind. Like that is your superhero pose. And in her talk, she got everybody in the audience standing up doing their superhero pose. And I kid you not, you can feel the difference when you get into that physical state. Mm-hmm. So there is very much something to this whole, like move your physiology to be able to move these emotions and help you shift in emotion. So you can take yourself, you know, if you find yourself sitting kind of hunched over and you're kind of melancholy, whatever, you can get into that superhero pose and suddenly your mood is going to shift. It may not shift a hundred percent, but it's going to shift at least a little bit Mm -hmm. to help you start playing with that ambidextrousness, right? That being able to shift things back and forth. And so using our physiology, in that way, but I've oftentimes used high intensity exercise as a way to process anger and frustration. Like I will go and go full out on the bike super fast to try and get my heart rate up as high as I possibly can. And then sure enough, as soon as I'm done, it's like, oh, I'm not angry anymore. It's all good. Yep. Right? Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, there's something about it. I love it. I love movement. Movement is a huge thing. And even just taking a walk and getting a whole, like just getting yourself out of whatever environment you're intimately in in that moment and getting outside and just doing a walk, like oftentimes that'll change the emotions too. Yep, definitely. We've talked about therapy a bit. Therapy's awesome. And so is talking to your friends, yeah, right? Yeah, Or talking it out or even talking into a voxer to a friend, an audio message you know, to a friend, even if you like recall it or delete it. Like I've done that a couple of times. Yep. Just talking things out, I think sometimes helps us process emotions, especially with a trained therapist who can help us identify them. So if you're like me and you don't have a huge emotional vocabulary and you're like, what are you talking about? All these different emotions. I thought there were five. That's a good way to learn. That's how I started learning my emotional vocabulary. In fact, he gave me a chart. (laughs) It's like, can you identify this? And then we would talk through that. And so we would practice sometimes trying to identify those emotions. Journaling is another way of
1: talking it out. Yes. Yes. I'm a big
0: journaler. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I find that when I let the words flow like that, sometimes. Sometimes I can do it with a keyboard, and sometimes I can't. Like sometimes it really does require pen to paper. There's something about that process that I think helps me get in touch with the emotions better. I don't. I'm not quite sure. Yeah, yeah, that's super helpful. I learned a really cool technique. I just finished doing the Neuro Linguistic Programming Practitioner Training this year, and we learned a really interesting technique called an emotional release technique, where we can. Help somebody release emotions. And what I learned, and this is a part of psychology, and I can't remember which area of psychology it is, but there's something called a gestalt. And a gestalt is how our brain categorizes and how our subconscious categorizes certain emotions together and certain events and thoughts and and things get like put into these groups in the brain. And what can happen for people, and this is why I think sometimes we get into these very intense states of emotion is we'll have an event, we'll associate emotion with that event. And then another event happens and it has a similar emotion. So it throws it in the same bucket, right? So you can think about them all kind of being linked into the same bucket, but they all get linked together on a chain. So I think of it as this long chain and everything's linked together. And that's what a gestalt is, is that we get these very intense emotions because when a situation happens, that may not really warrant a huge emotional reaction, but we have a huge emotional reaction. So a lot of people these days are using the terminology of, I got triggered, right? That that like, oh, huge emotion. Like, what the hell? Why am I so triggered? Shouldn't be triggering. It's that gestalt. It's the way that the brain has categorized this. And so through NLP, there's a really cool technique that helps us release that chain so that we feel a appropriate amount of an emotional response to a situation instead of being triggered all the time. So I thought that was really cool and that's that's usually done
1: with an NLP practitioner. It's too hard to explain here on the podcast but yeah. yeah. Well, I will say from personal experience of doing this with Terea, she led me through this. I will say I'm still I'm still like just taken aback by how powerful that was mm-hmm. because we worked through some really big emotions in a really emotional time for me too yeah. right like it's not yeah. like things were kind of just good like i was i was no, really you were feeling a lot of things yeah yeah and to now have similar situations come up that i would typically be triggered or have bigger emotions about and now i'm just like yeah that it uh, doesn't really feel really great that that's happening but i guess that's okay i can work through it and i would never thought that i would get to the point where i could respond in that way so i yeah. am definitely a believer in that. And I think it's very, very powerful. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I am so grateful that I did that training because that is one of the coolest tech. I've got a lot of cool techniques that I've learned over the years, but that is one of the coolest techniques is to really help somebody be in a situation and not have to feel triggered by it. Yep. Not saying that we won't feel the emotion. We're not taking them away completely, but not being triggered by it, not being therefore run by our emotions. That is a whole cool new way of existing, and I I love it. Yep. I love it. Yeah, because I did the work too when I was doing the training. So I've been doing the work, still doing the work with my own coach. You know that kind of thing. It's it's really amazing work. So I love it. Yes. Which brings me to the point of we're incorporating that. NLP type work into a new program that I'm offering called Deep Transformation. is part of that program. And if you think that that's something that you want to do, it is not too late to join. There is a link in the show notes. Click that link to sign up, contact us, whatever it is. We'll figure it out, a way for you to contact us. But that is something that we are integrating into this Deep Transformation program is, is this kind of stuff. Yeah. Really helping to deal with all these emotions. Yeah. Very powerful. Cool. All right,
1: I think we I think we covered what we wanted to cover. Is there anything else that you wanted to chat about? I think it's just important to remember that like this probably is happening more than you realize. So hopefully we're bringing awareness to it that these emotions can be trapped. These emotions really do manifest in a disease state. And you know, if you felt closed off to the idea of this, hopefully we've opened up that curiosity of like how is this showing up in my life or how is it showing up in my loved ones' lives because we all have it. We're all going through it. It's just some of us don't have that awareness yet or don't have the tools to work through it. So hopefully this is at least opening up that conversation for you.
0: Yeah. Awesome. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us. You can always submit a question for the podcast. All that stuff, of course, is in the show notes as usual. And we'll see you guys in season three, episode two. (music) Woohoo! Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Wildly Optimized Wellness Podcast. If you are ready to dig deeper into your health, stop playing the a symptom game, start testing to get better guidance. You can find more about Terea at torreaRodriguez.com, and you can find Evie at holisticallyrestored.com. Wanna peek into what it's like to work with us? Come join us at our Optimized Wellness Community. You can find the invitation link in the show notes below. And if you have a question for the show, you can submit your question under the podcast section of ToreaRodriguez.com. Finally, if you found something helpful in this episode, don't forget to leave a review, hit that follow button, or share it with a friend. They're going to love that you thought of them. Until next time, see you outside.